Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7, which can be found on page 1139 in your pew Bibles. Isaiah 49, before I read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for all that you have made. And Lord, we thank you for the ways in which the things that you have made point us to you, that we can look out at your creation and we can know things about who you are, about your strength, about your power, about your greatness. But Lord, we also thank you for your word that you've given to us, that we can know you more personally, that we can know your character, that we can know your heart. God, we pray that you would help us as we hear your word read and proclaimed today to be those who listen with ears that are open. Pray that you help us to be those who listen with minds that are ready to think, with hearts that are prepared to hear your word and let it change us. God, we pray that by your word and by your spirit, we would be changed, even today, into the people that you have created us to be, in relationship with you through Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. It says, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nations, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Turning into Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Jesus tells a parable of, along the same lines as what Isaiah was talking about as well, and what we're getting ready to see from Paul and Barnabas. But here Jesus tells a parable. This is Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. This, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet. And invited many guests. 
At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited to come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our sermon text this morning, we're actually looking in the book of Acts, and we are on a, on a journey. We're kind of following along with Paul in this portion of the book as he is going from place to place, and he's preaching about, uh, about Jesus to everyone he can. And uh, just so we know what's going on for today, let me tell you what happened last week. What happened last week in this passage is Paul and Barnabas have landed in a new place, and they've gone to the synagogue, and they got... They got there because they were wanting to tell people about Jesus, right? And what happened was, I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this, where you go somewhere hoping something's going to happen, and it's even better than you imagine. But Paul and Barnabas show up at the synagogue, hoping to get a chance to tell people about Jesus. And they said, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation, please speak. In other words, do you guys have anything you want to share about? And they said, yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. And so they start in telling the story of the whole Old Testament. And everybody who's there goes, yeah, 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 we love this story. This is our story. We know this story. And so they're telling the story all along the way. But at the point of the story where everybody's expecting, all right, we all know how this goes. And where they're expecting it to go now is, and so now we're doing the things that God has told us to do. And we are waiting for the one he's going to send. And that's not how Paul tells the story. And the way Paul tells the story instead is all along the way, everything they expect, and then right at this point he says, and then there was someone named John. Okay? What was that? He said, and people thought he might actually be the Messiah. And they said, are you the Messiah? And he said, no. No, no, no. There's another one coming whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And at this point everybody goes, right, 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 because we're still waiting. <laughs> and Paul says, but then there's Jesus. And Jesus is the one who went around doing the things the Messiah was going to do and saying the things that only the Messiah could say. And he is the one who then went unrecognized by people who knew the rest of the story. And so they killed him. And he died. And God raised him to life again. And here's the amazing thing. Paul says, this message, this story, this Jesus is for you. So receive the forgiveness of sins in his name. Have that relationship of God that you can have through Jesus that you could never have through the law of Moses. Now, here's where it gets particularly controversial. (laughs) He's talking to people who knew the law of Moses really well, who knew all the things that God had said to do. And they said, okay, yes, that is the right way to live. That is the best way to live. And so I'm going to do those things. And what Paul is saying to them is you know the laws, 
you believe they're from God, you believe they're the best way to live, and you want to live that way, and here's the crazy part. You haven't because you can't. Now, I'm going to take this a little bit differently, and uh, I, just because... We're not sitting in a Jewish congregation right now. Maybe you're not familiar with all the laws of Moses. And so maybe you're more like uh, the congregations that Tim Keller preaches to where he says this a little different. I love the way he says it. He says, some people think, you know, it's not fair for God to judge, judge me on all these laws. I don't even know all those laws. <laughs> and even if I do know them, I might not agree with them. And he says, okay, so let's, let's look at it differently. He said, imagine that you get to the end of your life and you're standing there before God and you find out that all your life you actually had an invisible tape recorder hanging around your neck. I know half of you don't even know what a tape recorder is anymore. I'm sticking with it. So you have this tape recorder that's been hanging around your neck your entire life, recording every single thing you've ever said. And so you get to the end of your life, and God says to you, all right, you are now going to be judged, but not based on anything, not the Ten Commandments, not all those laws and (laughs) regulations that you never learned anyway. Here's what you're going to be judged on. We're just going to play back all the things that you have ever said about how people should live, the things that people should do or shouldn't do. And then we're going to see how your life stacks up against what you believe is right and wrong. And he says, you know what? There's not a single one of us that would even pass that test because none of us even live the way that we believe that life is to be lived, much less the way that God has said is actually the way that life is to be lived. And so what... uh, What Paul is saying to these believers and what we're saying today is there is no hope of forgiveness. There's no hope of reconciliation. There's no hope of life with God just by obeying all the rules. But what he says is there is forgiveness in Jesus, and there is hope, and there is a life there. All right, so that is, (laughs) that's just the beginning. That is... Uh, what happened last week, and what we said at the end of the sermon last week was we would find out how people responded. That, you know, this week we'll find out how people responded, but the, <laughs> for us, the real question is how are we going to respond? So now we are in Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 42. We're going to hear how they respond. It says, As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Hang on right there. This scene now, I hope you recognize this, looks a lot like Jesus, right? Where here they are, they've left the synagogue. People said, hey, you you should really come back and talk about this again next week. I don't think we got enough here. We we want to know more about this uh, Jesus fella. But then that wasn't even enough. There are some people who are like, I can't wait till next week. I want to know more. And so as Paul and Barnabas are on their way back to wherever it is they're staying, there's like a crowd of people following them along. And just like wherever Jesus went, there's kind of a crowd of people following him around saying, we want to know more about this kingdom of God. And so here we have this crowd of people following Paul and Barnabas and saying, tell us more, tell us more. And what does it say that Paul and Barnabas are doing? They're urging them to continue in the grace of God. Now, this is a message for us as well. For a lot of us, we hear everything that I've said so far, and we say, amen. <laughs> it's not by following all those rules. It's by Jesus. It's by grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We know that. We say it's all a free gift of God. 
that we've been saved. And then you know what we do? We take all those commandments, and we just move them to the other side of the cross. (laughs) And we say, it was by grace that I was saved, but now it's up to me to do everything else. What Paul is saying here is, continue in the grace of God. It is all by grace. It is all by grace. From first to last, from beginning to end, he chose you by grace, he has saved you by grace, and he will continue to grow you in grace. It is all a free gift. One of the um, speakers I heard this week said something about grace that was just fantastic, where he talked about how it is, yes, it's a free gift, but it's not just a free gift. It is also a self-giving gift, that it is God giving himself to us. And so uh, as we look at living by grace and continuing in grace, it is that daily just walking in relationship with him, living a life out of that forgiveness that we have received and being continually grown in grace. So anyway, that is the encouragement. And if, uh, <laughs> if you don't hear anything else today, continue in the grace of God every moment, every day. What happens next? Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that great? You got, whoever was there that first Sabbath has apparently... They've been talking. So they go to their friends and their neighbors, and they say, you would not believe what we have heard. Apparently, there's this guy named Jesus. And let me tell you about him. And they said, where did you hear about this? They said, well, there's guys, Paul and Barnabas. They were here uh, this last Sabbath, and, you know, we invited them back. They're supposed to be here this Sabbath. You, sh- you should come. You should listen. And everybody said, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so the whole town shows up the next Sabbath to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on them. I hope you're hearing echoes again of Jesus. As not only large crowds gather to hear what he's saying, but there are also people who, when they see the large crowds, aren't real happy about that. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced jealousy. Uh, We'll we'll put this in... um, in childhood terms, so it doesn't seem as horrible. But I hope you'll still see that it is horrible. If you ever remember being, uh, being younger, when you're elementary school, middle school, and there is something that you are particularly good at. You're really, really good at it. And you know that you're good at it. And you think everybody knows you're really good at it. And then they have a competition, or they have a time where people are going to be choosing teams, and so everybody kind of lines up against the fence, and they're picking teams. And you're like, this is my day. <laughs> and then they start picking, and they don't pick you. And they get to you eventually, but there are other people ahead of you, and you're looking at all those other people that got picked before you. Now, here's the thing. The people that got picked before you, did they do anything to you? No. But how do you feel towards those people now? Different? Maybe so. How come they got picked before I did? What is it about them that's so special? I'm better than that person. And so we have this going on inside us, even though they didn't do anything. Now, here's the situation with these, uh, and so I hope you see how ugly that is, and that's a you know, childhood example, but it extends, <laughs> doesn't it, <laughs> into the experiences of adulthood. This is the situation with these leaders. They are seeing, you know, here they have been 
leading at this synagogue for who knows how long. And has the whole town ever showed up? I don't know. Probably not. And now here these Paul and Barnabas guys, they show up one time, and here all these people show up. And now these synagogue leaders, these rulers, start feeling that jealousy. Paul and Barnabas haven't done anything to them. In fact, what they have done is to share the good news of Jesus with them too. said, it's for you. But they're rejecting it because they want to rule their own little kingdom instead of joining in the kingdom of God. And so because of this, they begin to contradict. Oh, it says that when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him, whatever that means. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So we just read from Isaiah. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who are appointed for eternal life believed. And then here's what happens. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but... The Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of that city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. A couple things here that happen. That jealousy that's stirred up, they start acting on it. If you have ever felt the feelings of jealousy, you know how ugly that is. But if you have ever acted on it, <laughs> anything good come from that? I don't know your situation, but I can make place a bet right now. Nothing good comes from that. And that's what happens here is they act on this jealousy and they stir up persecution within the community and actually have Paul and Barnabas expelled from the whole region. Now, Paul and Barnabas... If they were living according to the flesh, here's what they would be experiencing. Paul wrote a letter about this to the churches of Galatia. In chapter 5, he says, uh, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I'll just read the list. You'll recognize them. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. (laughs) That's not a complete list, but there you have it. Some representative things. If Paul and Barnabas are living this way, guess what happens when they get expelled from the community? When they get persecuted for proclaiming the word of God? What happens is they start going, this isn't fair. This isn't right. They shouldn't be doing this, and we got to do something. Right? They have that welling up in them. They have this instinct to fight, or they have the instinct to get discouraged and to just go back home and say, you know what? We tried. It's not working. People don't care. We're, we're just going to go back to Antioch. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. At least back there, there were, we, you know, we had some friends. <laughs> Here, it's just miserable. That's, that's how it is. Those are our instincts. That is living by the flesh, but they're not living by the flesh, are they? Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And because they're filled with the Holy Spirit, instead of responding in jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition and all of that, instead it says they're filled with joy. They just got persecuted unfairly and driven out of the city, and they're filled with joy. Because they're full of the Holy Spirit. 
And it continues in Galatians 5 and says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what's been growing in them. And so this is uh, the encouragement for us today. As we hear this story, as we hear about what Paul and Barnabas experienced, there were signs, there were reasons to rejoice. One, there were people who wanted to follow them around and hear what in the world they were talking about with this Jesus guy. That is great. Two, those people then went and shared it with all their neighbors so that everybody wanted to hear about Jesus. That's great. Three, uh, once they actually are sharing with everybody, it says that the word, oh, I lost my page already. There we go. It says that the, uh, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. That's great. So there are plenty of reasons to be glad and rejoice as long as they keep their eye on who God is and what he's doing and the way his spirit is working in the midst of the people, not being uh, those who respond about what's happening to them. What's happening to them is no fun. What's happening to them is not good. What's happening to them is not fair and it's not right. And yet they seem less concerned with that because they are more concerned about sharing this news of Jesus, about walking faithfully with God, about them continuing in grace and saying, all right, you brought us here, we came here. You wanted us to share, we shared. You want us to go somewhere else, we'll go somewhere else. And they're continuing to rejoice because they see God continuing to be at work in the lives of his people. So, for us, Jesus, <laughs> forgiveness of sins, by grace, continue in that grace, every moment of every day. And as we look at Paul and Barnabas and we say, these are people who could uh, have people treating them unfairly, who could be treating them, who could expel them from the region, and yet their response is one of joy? What a great life, <laughs> you know? Not by external circumstances to be judged, but where that can't take away your joy. What a great life. In Jesus, may that be your life. May that be our life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.